Hello and welcome to the Deep Six Wrestling Podcast. This is Rob. Uh, if you don't know who I am, that's probably fine because I haven't been on a podcast for at least a year, probably longer than that. And yeah, here I am with what I think is our very first WWE Friday Night Smackdown podcast. I could be wrong about that, but I don't think I am. And all I want to ask is, are you ready for a good time? Because it's SmackDown, and that's the theme song for some reason. I still don't get it. Uh, ACDC in 2022 just seems a little not the pick, but sure. Um, Yeah, let's uh, let's kick off with how SmackDown kicked off. On tonight, July 15th, 2022, um, yeah, we had Michael Cole in the ring to kick, to kick off the show by introducing Pat McAfee, and uh, McAfee got a really impressive reaction. I believe they're in Orlando, Florida. The crowd was hit or miss throughout the night, but this was definitely one of the biggest ovations, and fair enough, McAfee is great in the ring and out of the ring. He's very entertaining, and I can see why the fans love him so much. I think he's great. Uh, he comes out, and he apologizes for Corey Graves and Corbin on commentary last week and throws to a video package of Corbin attacking him, explaining why he was out, and furthering their rivalry, setting up their SummerSlam match, which could be interesting. I'm definitely uh, interested to see it. He keeps calling Corbin bum-ass Corbin, which is kind of stupid, but... Uh, I'll let him get away with it, as long as they don't try to push it too hard, I guess. Uh, he talks about their history together. He and Corbin played football together. And how Corbin used to be a humble and nice guy. And how after he started wrestling, that uh, he kind of got an ego and a big head. So he says that he's going to humble him at SummerSlam. And Corbin appears on the Tron, and he takes exception to this. And he says... Uh, that he would come out and deal with McAfee right now, but he says he's come down with monkey pox or something and that he will see McAfee at SummerSlam. What? Uh, okay. What's with these wrestlers, like, faking being sick? I think Sheamus did it last week, too. It's kind of strange to have it twice in a row on SmackDown, but sh sure. Uh, McAfee panders to the crowd a little bit, saying, like, you know, Orlando, Florida is the best place. I'm so happy to be here, you know, babyface stuff. And then he introduces the new WWE Women's SmackDown Champion, Liv Morgan. Uh, she comes out to the ring for her championship contenders match with Natalia, and gets a really nice reaction. Uh, it's good to see she has come a long way. Um, I don't understand these championship contenders matches too much. I guess they've always kind of done them in the past, but not really referred to them as such. Where, you know, if somebody faces the champion and wins, they get a title match. But now they've been doing them all the time where they randomly have people face the champion and call it a contenders match. So it's kind of strange, but whatever. Uh, I think this was a little bit of an odd choice to open SmackDown with like a promo like that. But I mean, it's kind of WWE formula for a while. And it, it wasn't terribly long. It didn't overstay its welcome too much. Uh, it was okay. I didn't have much of an issue with it. It was fine. Uh, Natalia gets kind of a weak reaction when she comes out, 
with uh, what might have been piped in booze. I don't know. It's hard to tell. I don't know. She's don't get me wrong. She's a very solid in ring performer, but just as a character, she is a little bit stale and she's like the big show. She keeps turning back and forth between baby face and heel with whatever suits the moment, I guess, which I, I don't know. I guess someone's got to do it, but it definitely hurts that character. And she's just not, she's probably the second worst women, woman that talks uh, in promos right now that gets, pers- uh, that gets consistent promos. That is the first being Ronda Rousey. Cause geez, she is atrocious as a baby face right now. Yikes. Uh, yeah, you know, it's a pretty quick back and forth start to the match. Natty goes for her spot where she kind of like runs up the opponent's back and then ro- runs off the ropes and goes for a drop kick. I've never liked that spot. I've never thought it looked very good. It's usually sloppy looking. Uh, she misses the drop kick though. And yeah, um, she takes control with a slingshot into the ring post going to the commercial break. Uh, Natalia, that is. Uh, and there was like only three, maybe four minutes of action between the two commercial breaks there, which is kind of stupid. Like, I, I don't know, I, as I will talk about more, the pacing of this episode with the commercial breaks and the matches and everything was very poor. Uh, that was probably my biggest, that's one of my biggest uh, gripes with uh, WWE nowadays. And it definitely hurt this match, I thought. Um, but. You know, Liv and Natty seem to have pretty decent chemistry. Um, Natty was still in control coming back, but Liv starts to come back with a missile drop kick from the second rope. And she's come a long way in the last two years. Seriously, I was not a fan of hers. If you listen to one of our very first, it might have been actually our first podcast. Uh, we did a category. We were doing a, a draft of a future roster, like uh, if we could draft any wrestlers in the world that we wanted for certain categories. And I believe it was Joey that picked Liv Morgan for his, it was like under 25 or something. And everyone kind of made fun of him. But now she's come so far in such a short time that I'll eat my words. I've been impressed. I'm I'm a fan of Liv Morgan now. Um, But yeah, there was some cool, another cool spot. Uh, Liv is in control for a little bit. Until Natty hits a German suplex. looked really nice. And then she hit a really nice powerbomb. And goes straight into like a, an ankle lock as a callback to her match with Ronda at Summer, uh, Summer, Money in the Bank. But Liv counters it and sends Natty into the turnbuckle. Hits a code breaker and then her finisher Oblivion for the win. It's a nice clean win for Liv. Uh, pretty good match. Decent, you know. Uh, if it weren't for the commercial break, I would say it's a good match. I can't say that because of the commercial break though so you know good win for Liv and seems to knock Natalia out of contention for now which is totally fine because uh they're setting up obviously for SummerSlam Liv and Ronda Rousey which should be interesting it's a very interesting dynamic I don't know how that's gonna go but uh Caleb Braxton came out and interviewed Liv after the match about it and kind of put some doubt in saying she didn't know if Liv could beat Ronda. And Liv was like, yeah, I know I'm the underdog, but I'm going to beat her anyway. So I hope she does. We'll see. We will see. I don't know how that's going to go. We cut then to backstage with Megan Morant interviewing Theory. 
who talks a little bit about his match with Lashley coming up at SummerSlam for the U.S. title and says he's going to win it back, even though he's already the the Money in the Bank title holder and he's going to cash in on whoever wins in the last man standing main event, so he's going to be a double title holder. He also acknowledges that Dolph Ziggler is a future rival and that he's watching out for him. Paul Heyman then comes up and sends Megan away, compliments Theory, says he's great, and he's the future, and he claims that he's responsible for the biggest break of Theory's career. What this is, I don't know. He just says that. And he tries to convince Theory to set up a scheduled title match against Roman at a later date instead of cashing in at SummerSlam. It says he'll handle everything for Theory. And Theory declines and says he's going to cash in and win at SummerSlam. He then mocks Heyman a little bit, and he walks away. Uh, it's heel and heel dynamic here is a little weird. It's kind of weird to see Theory not take up the offer. I mean, I get it, because obviously with the briefcase, you're guaranteed not to win, but you're probably guaranteed a much better chance. But I think they're hyping up Theory cashing in a little too much. It makes it feel a little too predictable that he will. So I, I kind of think he won't. Or maybe he'll tease it and get beaten up by Brock or Throwman or the Usos or somebody. Sami Zayn. I don't know. So I could, I could see any of that happening. I think that's probably the better choice because, I mean, I love that Liv Morgan is the champion. But she won it after less than 24 hours like every woman has. And there's only one briefcase now and I don't want all the briefcases to be gone immediately I really like the idea of somebody looming around with the briefcase in the background it, it it makes things more interesting it's it's always a good dynamic when there's somebody that could cash in at any time it, it, it puts a threat in the air I like it so hopefully he holds on to it for a bit uh, the Viking Raiders music hits but it's the New Day that comes out, dressed as the Viking Raiders, including armor, weapons, shields, war paint, braided beards. Kofi's got a really weird wig. Uh, they're, they're called the New Raid. And Xavier tried talking in this weird accent, and it kind of sounded like a pirate accent, and Kofi calls him out for it. Then they keep talking in these awful accents. It's really kind of cringe. The Viking Raiders come out, and they're pissed. Uh... And then Xavier gets the crowd to call them ugly. It's in the U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi chant. It's kind of, how old is that? That's got to be so old. Like, the kids don't know what that is. I barely know what that is. Come on. But I, I don't know. Uh, the Viking Raiders are really mad at this, and they start coming to the ring. Xavier blows like a Viking horn, and for some reason, Jinder Mahal and Shanky come out and attack the Raiders. And uh, they drive them back. It's, I guess, they I guess they have reason. I think they got attacked on SmackDown last week or the week before. So I guess that's why these two teams are, te are, uh, are like, teaming up against the Viking Raiders. And then uh, everybody dances in the ring except Jinder, who looks pretty disgusted. Uh, it's kind of a random thing that just happened. Uh, pretty stupid. Not the best use of the New Day, in my opinion. Uh, they've been kind of mired in very medi mediocre <clears throat> mediocre feuds for a bit now, which is a shame because they are so talented. Uh, hopefully when Big E comes back, hopefully he comes back like who knows when it's going to be because, you know, that's a serious injury. But hopefully he does come back within a reasonable amount of time and things get back on track for the New Day because it's a shame to see them 
in the position they're in because they are so talented and they're very entertaining. Uh, I'm guessing the payoff to the Shanky and Jinder pairing is that Jinder's going to dance. So I, 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 I guess there's that. I don't know. I thought Jinder was going to turn on him, but he already has a couple times and they stick them together still. So I don't know. Whatever. Uh, we cut backstage and Kayla Braxton is interviewing Ludwig Kaiser and Gunther. And she asks why Gunther attacked Ludwig last week. And he says failure is unacceptable and losing has consequences. Uh, it's announced that next week Ludwig has a match with Shinsuke Nakamura rematch. And uh, they, they speak a little German and then Gunther chops the shit out of Ludwig to psych him up, I guess, for the match and to warn him that if he uh, he loses, there's going to be some consequences. Oh my God, that was it was pretty brutal. Uh, I mean, I've seen some really brutal Gunther shops, or but it, this was a pretty bad one. And Kayla looked shocked; she couldn't believe it. Yikes! I wouldn't want to get hit one, with one of those. Um, Aaliyah heads to the ring for a match with Lacey Evans, and she gets pretty much no reaction for a good reason. She's never really on TV, and when she is, she doesn't really make much of an impact so i can't really blame the fans for not really reacting very much uh lacy comes out to some booze she gets a pretty good heel reaction and then she stops her music and has it started again and gets booed even more uh she starts cutting a promo and she's running down the crowd uh actually she's really she's kind of just talking up her own accomplishments but she's kind of doing it in a way that's like I'm not better than you, but I am better than you. Like, it's very condescending, and uh, the crowd's booing her. She's getting a great, great reaction, honestly. And she's uh, definitely, definitely much better cast as a heel. Uh, they tried to book her as a babyface when she came back. Though, to be fair, the way they did it was kind of half-assed. Like, they kind of were like, she's a face. No, wait, she's a heel. No, she's a face. She's a heel. They weren't really sure. They were very non-committal. And that's probably why the, the fans didn't really take to it so much. And uh, obviously at Money in the Bank, she got a lot of a lot of heat. So it's probably for the best. She is definitely a good heel. So probably keep her in that for now. Uh, she offered like a fake apology to the crowd. And then she was like, oh, you didn't accept it? Well, you can go to hell. I guess that's her like catchphrase now. I don't know. But sure, I mean, that works. But then she just randomly left. It was supposed to be a match. And she, the whole time, mind you, Aaliyah is just standing in the ring awkwardly. And this whole time this is all going on, she's just standing there. And then she cuts this promo and leaves. And then nothing happens. That's it. That was it. Weird booking. I don't understand why they even... Why not just make this a promo segment? Why is this a match? What is the purpose of that? I, I don't... I don't get that. That's that's kind of weird booking. I don't like that very much. Um, Drew McIntyre is out next to a very strong reaction. Uh, the crowd loves this guy, and for good reason. Uh, it's supposed to be for the number one contender match with Sheamus for the Undisputed Universal title at Clash at the Castle in Cardiff in September. But, of course, as I was pretty much expecting, Sheamus is not going to be in this match. Disappointing. Because those two have great chemistry. Uh, and they would beat the hell out of each other. But it's Ridge Holland. Because last week, uh, Seamus had Butch. 
in there instead of uh, of himself. So now it's Ridge Holland. But, you know, I can't be too surprised. I was I was expecting this. Uh, I guess Sheamus wants to wear down Drew before their eventual match, which it makes sense. It's, that's heel logic for you. Makes sense. Uh, Drew was ready for it, though. And he dominates. He dominates early. He even does Sheamus's uh, beats of the Bodron move, where he, you know, has them on the outside of the apron and hits their chest with his fist. That's cool. It's a cool little spot. Uh, Butch distracts McIntyre though and allows Ridge to take control for a bit. Uh, but quickly McIntyre takes it back. He hits a Glasgow kiss, headbutt, and then he hits a white noise to mock Sheamus a little more and finishes off Ridge with the Claymore. Uh, it was short, very short, probably under three minutes even, maybe something like that. It was fine for what it was, though. I mean, this was never going to be a barn burner. I'm sure if they were given more time, it would be a pretty good match. But it just, for what it was, it was fine. Um, I kind of expected it. So, you know, hopefully the eventual match with Sheamus is said barn burner. I'm looking forward to that. And it'll sell, set up a, a hell of a main event for Cardiff. Because either either way, Drew versus Roman or Drew versus uh, Brock Lesnar is a fitting main event for that show. I mean, Sheamus could surprise, but I don't see that happening. I just that's that's a match tailor made for Drew to main event that pay per view, and possibly take the title. We'll see. Uh, next up, here comes Theory. He's been like the centerpiece of this show. I feel like. Uh, he's coming to the ring for a match with Mad Cat Moss. And then we go to commercial break, and it's completely unrelated to everything else. But one of the commercials I saw was uh, for a National Geographic's version of Shark Week called Shark Fest. And it parodies the song Shots by Little John. And it just features the word sharks, like sharks, 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 sharks. I loved it. I loved it. Stupid, but great. That's That's good marketing right there. It's memorable, it's silly, it's catchy. Love it. <laughs> I'm not going to be watching Shark Fest, but it made me know what it is at least. Uh, and then when we come back from commercial, Megan Morant is interviewing Moss, Mad Cat Moss, before the match. And, you know, Theory's still in the ring. Okay, keep that in mind. <laughs> uh, Heyman shows up again. And sends Megan away, and he's trying to recruit Moss now. He wants him to take out Austin Theory and beat him up bad, just like he did with, with Baron Corbin or you know, Happy Corbin, whatever you want to call him, and how he was missing for a while. He wants him to do the same thing with Theory, and in return, he will give, he will ensure that, that Moss gets a one-on-one -on -one title match with Roman at a later date. And he'll take care of everything, just like he said. He said the same line to Theory as well, that uh, Paul Heyman is responsible for Moss's uh, biggest moment in his career. And everybody knows it. I don't know what the hell he's talking about, but sure. Um, but, yeah, uh, Moss also declines this. He's a, he's a babyface, and he's being a babyface here. And he heads to the ring. And why the hell is his name still Madcap? Like, they can't just give him an actual first name. They can't even just give him, hell, just give him Riddick back as a first name, I guess. I don't know. Madcap? Like, come on. 
I had to look that up, and it's stupid. That's not even, like, a word that should be... It's dumb. Give him a name, goddammit. Um, so, again, I go back to how bad the pacing of this episode is with commercial breaks and stuff. Theory is still there. Like, he's been out there before the commercial break and has stood... He's been standing in the ring probably 10 minutes at this point. And then we go to another commercial break as Riddle or Riddle. Oh my God. Wrong show as Riddick, not even Riddick as mad cat Moss gets to the ring. We cut to another commercial break. So Theory's just standing there again, still like it feels like an eternity. He's been standing out there. We come back from the break and then it's not even the match. It's a maximum male models vignette. Um, I don't, I don't know how to feel about them. I, I think their presentation has actually been pretty funny so far, like pretty interesting. Uh, and they're they're teasing the uh, – or not teasing. They they announced the debut of uh, Maxine next week, who's, I guess, Max Dupree's sister. I don't know. Whatever. We'll see. I like to, to watch and see what they do before reserving judgment. But sure, could be, could be interesting, I guess. Um uh, and then finally, no, you know what? Before I get, this is the kind of shit that the, the, the people hate when WWE does like the, the whole, all right, Riddle's out in the ring and then they do something else, video package and they do something else and they do something else. Then they finally get to the match. That's like wasted 15 minutes or whatever that they could be using for the match. Like that's a big theme of this night is none of the matches are very long and the longer ones are cut off by commercial breaks. So I can't really enjoy the action as much because there's just so much filler and so much commercial breaks. That's one of the biggest issues with WWE today, you know? And finally, the match does kick off after what feels like, I don't know, three hours of of, of Theory just standing in the ring. Uh, you know, two trade strikes and grapples early. No one stays in control for long. And Theory keeps, like, flexing like a crazy person whenever he has the upper hand. Uh, there is a a photo that was sent in our, our group chat of it, which was definitely the the biggest example. You might see it at some point. It's kind of disturbing what Theory's shoulders look like in this photo. But, yeah, he is jacked. Uh, Theory finally takes control by leapfrogging leap a charging moss who slams into the ring steps as we head into yet another commercial break. Uh, no wonder tons of people cancel their cable and only use streaming services because the commercial breaks are like mind numbing. There's so many of them and they're just, ah, I, I, it's just hard. It's hard to sit through them sometimes. I, I don't know. I, I get it. I, but it just feels excessive. Um, all right. After the break though, Moss finally fights back into the match after like a huge pounce he stays in control for a bit until Theory stomps on his foot and takes advantage momentarily. But Madcap uses his really impressive speed, actually. He's faster than I thought he was. He's a former football player. He's a good athlete. But, yeah, he's he's actually really impressive. Uh, he, he hits, like, a takedown, like a shoulder tackle, and then he throws uh, Theory out of the ring. And he goes, to, he goes to grab Theory so he can't get away. And Theory hits him with a briefcase, causing a disqualification. Uh, it was an okay match, uh, even though it took forever to start. And a decent chunk was, was you know, during the commercial break. It was still a decent match. Um, 
I don't like the finish. It's definitely overused. It's uninspired. It's lazy. I mean, I get it. They're trying to protect both guys. I get that. Neither guy should lose. But why put them in a match against each other if neither guy can lose? Like, why not do... There's plenty of guys on the roster. Why not do something different? I, I mean, at least we get the moment at the end here, um, which is, you know, Sami Zayn comes out and says Theory has been disrespecting Roman Reigns and he demands an apology and that there will be consequences if there was no apology. And Theory's like, no, what are you going to do about it? You know, and he mocks Zayn because Zayn's got a sling on. He says his arms hurt. And the Usos come out, and Theory starts retreating, and he runs right into uh, to his Madcap, who attacks him, and throws him into the crowd, and you know he get, at least gets some come up, and so that was a fun little moment. But I have to say, like all of those guys, you know, the Bloodline, Sammy, and Theory are all heels. So who are we cheering for in that scenario? It almost feels like we're cheering for Sami Zayn and the Usos, which is kind of strange. But I mean, I I was cool with that. That was fine. It was a nice little moment. So yeah harmless and uh you know mad cat gets some some of his uh his shine back on that uh the main event of the evening is jimmy uso versus angelo dawkins which does not sound like a great event uh a very good main event on paper uh i guess it's a pretty hot feud going in which is fair but it just doesn't sound like the most you know inspiring main event uh, Sami Zayn is on commentary, though, which is a nice treat. He is always uh, a welcome addition to my screen. I, I enjoyed him. I enjoyed his presence on commentary. He was uh, teasing that he was going to be announced as the special guest referee at SummerSlam for the tag title match. Uh, and he was lobbying for it the whole time. And uh, it did take a little bit away from the action on commentary, though. I will say that. They were talking about Roman Reigns the whole time, pretty much. So that's kind of a shame. Because this match was not bad. Uh, Angelo Dawkins took control going to the first commercial break. Of course, there was a commercial break. But it was a nice spot. He, like, trucked Jimmy over the barricade. It was awesome. It looked great. Uh, on the way back, though, from the commercial break, Jimmy took control somehow during the break. Don't know how. They didn't show it. It just showed that he took control. But basically, right away, Angelo hits a hard right hand and evens the odds a bit. So they're kind of going back and forth. Dawkins has improved leaps and bounds in the ring. Definitely. Ryan will never admit this. He hates Angelo Dawkins for no reason. I don't know. I don't understand it. I will say he was definitely uninspiring before, but he's gotten a lot better. Uh, I will hand it to him. He really has. This was really solid. Uh, of course, they have a ref bump. Jimmy crashes into the ref after Angelo uh, leap or doesn't leapfrog. He, he, like, uh, he goes low and uh, Jimmy goes over him. And... Uh, uh, then Dawkins rolls up Jimmy for what would have been a three count, but of course the ref is not is down. And then Jimmy hits a super kick that also would have been a three count, but still the ref is down. Dawkins hits a sky high, which I guess is his singles finisher, and he gets the win off of it. Though Jimmy's shoulder is shown to clearly be up, to call back to their Money in the Bank match, which is it's cool I guess. It definitely. Uh, it, it, it kind of like necessitates the uh, the special guest referee in a way. So there's that. Clearly, Charles Robinson was hurt, so he didn't see it, you know. 
it was a decent match. Uh, it was a little short. Uh, even with the commercial break, it was still a little short. Like, I don't... You'd think with the main event, they would give it more time. But, you know, it was fine for what it was. I just wish the commercial break hadn't been in it because it would have been much better. Because there were a lot of cool spots. They, you know, Dawkins did some cool stuff. But, you know, it was it was decent. I can't complain about that. Uh, and then finally, to end the show, Adam Pierce comes out to announce the special guest referee at SummerSlam. And it is somebody I never would have expected in a million years. It is Jeff Jarrett. Um, that is a strange pick. Uh, again, I never would have guessed it. Never would have thought it. Never saw it coming. I guess it could be fun. I, I mean, he's going to call it down the middle, I guess. So that's good. I don't know. I, I, we'll see. I was expecting something else. I don't know. I don't know what I was expecting, but not that. And then we end the show with the Street Profits and the Usos brawling in the ring. Uh, the refs come in. They try to separate them, but they cannot break them up. And that's just how the show fades to black. Uh, it was kind of a mediocre episode of SmackDown. I'm not going to lie. Uh, lots of poorly timed commercial breaks. Uh, pretty much all the matches were stunted because of it, which is a shame because there were some decent matches. But they were definitely not able to live up to their potential, which is a shame. But, you know, there's always the future. SummerSlam is building to be pretty interesting, though, so hopefully it will be. Uh, my favorite match of the night, I will have to say, was Liv Morgan and Natalia. I think that had probably the most ring time out of any match. And they had decent chemistry. I, I wouldn't mind seeing more of them. And, yeah, that's about it. Um... I'm going to be trying to do this regularly, so uh, maybe you'll be catching me on more weekly podcasts. Maybe I'll pop up on AEW here and there. Maybe I'll uh, pop up on more pay-per-view podcasts and stuff. My schedule was recently changed, so we'll see. But uh, definitely be on the lookout for more of these Friday Night Smackdown reviews. I will try to do them every Friday if I can. And thank you guys for listening, and I'll see you next week.